this is Mel from Just Teachers and welcome to our first ever CPD podcast recording. Hi, Chris Armand here again. Um, this episode we're going to be looking at uh, adverse childhood experiences and uh, how that can impact on uh, your teaching and the things that you need to look out for and how you can help support those pupils that have had adverse childhood experiences. First of all, we need to look at what, what are adverse childhood experiences. Um, and basically, they happen as a result of uh, psychological trauma in early childhood. Um, and they can often happen to a child before they can actually remember them, the actual event. Um, and they, they impact on the healthy development of the brain. They are serious childhood traumas. Uh, they result in toxic stress and they can be our treatment, i.e. abuse or neglect, uh, violence and coercion, domestic abuse, gang membership, being a victim of crime, uh, adjustment, i.e. migration, asylum or, or the ending of relationships, uh, prejudice, uh, LGBT, prejudice, sexism, racism or disabilism, household or family adversity, i.e. substance misuse, uh, intergenerational trauma, destitution or deprivation, uh, inhumane treatment, torture, forced imprisonment or institutionalisation, um, adult responsibilities, where they've had to be a young carer or involvement in childhood labour, uh, and bereavement and survivorship, or traumatic deaths in the family or surviving an illness or, or a serious accident. Now, alongside the actual childhood exp- adverse childhood experiences, we also have adverse community environments, which, which also impact um, heavily on, on the healthy development of the brain, um, such things as poverty, discrimination, community disruption, lack of opportunity, economic mobility and social capital, um, poor quality housing and affordability uh, and violence uh, and combined and these create a a toxic environment which which damages the the healthy development of of the brain. In terms of actual numbers and figures, um, 52% of adults experience no ACEs growing up, 23% experience one, 16% experience two to three, and 9% experience four or more ACEs. Um, so in a, in a class of 30 pupils, you potentially have two to three um, pupils in there that have experienced four plus ACEs um, in their young lives. And, and what does that mean? Well, the studies show that um, compared with people with no ACEs, um, those people who've, who've had four or more ACEs are two times more likely to binge drink and have a poor diet, three times more likely to be a current smoker, four times more likely to have low levels of mental well-being and life satisfaction, five times more likely to have had underage sex, six times more likely to have an unplanned teenage pregnancy, seven times more likely to be involved in violence, 11 times more likely to have used illegal drugs, and 11 times more likely to have been incarcerated. So the the impact uh, of four more ACEs is quite significant on uh, healthy lifestyles um, going forward. So we need to look at how the human brain reacts in, in stressful situations. Um, you probably all have heard of the uh, freeze, flight, fight um, mode that people go into um, in, in stressful situations. And if somebody is, is exposed to these situations over a period of time, um, it obviously impacts negatively on, on the, the healthy brain um, growth. Um, we have three systems in the brain and we need to understand how they work together and how they interact with each other. We've got the threat system, and that's what helps us detect danger. And the reward system, 
which helps us feel good when good things happen, and the memory system, which helps us remember and learn from, from past experiences. So we're looking at the, the threat system, um, this is what helps us sense danger um, in, in our lives uh, and helps and reacts and how we react to, to danger. Um, it's when we, for example, if you see a car that's coming down the street and we see it, and we move we move further across the pavement, or there's a there's a, a an angry dog, um, we we move away, or or we spot something and it just doesn't feel right, and we we put ourselves in a safe in a safer space, um, and sometimes we have to act quickly in those situations. But if if kids are treated badly, ultimately they get to that point where they feel danger is everywhere, even when danger isn't there, and and you get this sense of of hyper vigilance and. And you get in the classroom setting that's sort of like the, the overreaction so they overreact to situations because they're extra careful all the time and always on the lookout for for danger um, and it's exhausting for them exhausting for the brain because they're constantly on high alert and then when they do react it, it's an overreaction um, the reward system our brain learns what makes us happy growing up at a very basic level that's food or, or a smile or a cuddle or a hug from, from an important person in their life who takes care of them. And we then make choices because the human brain thinks, well, I like that, so I'll behave like that more often and I will get more of those rewards because we're geared up um, in that way. If you don't experience those rewards growing up at a very young age, you don't know how to behave in a certain way that enables you to get those rewards. And, and it impacts on the 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 brain's ability to feel happy. If they've not experienced that reward growing up, then, then as, as an adult or as an older child, um, it's very difficult to, to feel happy about things, even when the rewards are there, and you ignore the rewards because you don't recognise that's, that's what it is, and you don't recognise that as a reward. And then lastly, we've got the, the, the memory system, and that helps us guide our choices, because if you remember something good that's happened, then you're likely to repeat that behaviour because you want that good thing to happen happen again. Uh, and it helps us control our feelings, helps us feel good about ourselves. But if a child has lots of bad memories, then they can't make those good choices. And, and what happens is within, within the brain is um, those bad memories seem to come to the fore and they fog out the good memories and, and you get like a thinning uh, of, of, of the good memories and the, the, the bad memories are more prevalent uh, in, in the brain. Uh, and therefore they can't remember those good things so then they don't know how to behave in, in, in certain ways. So adverse child experiences you know, have a real significant impact on the brain uh, and brain functioning uh, and how pupils and how children respond. So it makes it difficult to, to regulate their emotions, uh, form positive social relationships uh, and engage in positive experiences. And that's where, as a result of that, you get the, the risk-taking behaviours, the, the non-engagement, the, the poor behaviour choices, all come from these adverse childhood experiences. So if children have got or enduring adverse childhood experiences, um, there's lots of potential outcomes or negative outcomes um, that, that we get. It could cause immediate harm and long-term harm that, that affects the physical, emotional and mental health. Um, they will certainly have difficulty with organisation and learning. Uh, unpredictable behaviour is a distinct possibility uh, and definitely difficulties with positive relationships. Ultimately, there's a lot of toxic or, or, or chronic stress which impacts on um, the development, um, flexibility to learn, to succeed in school and their overall wellbeing because of the, the choices that they're, they're making. Um, as they go on in life, 
there's a higher risk of developing mental health issues, depression, anxiety, and also the physical health problems that, that we talked about earlier, such as obesity, heart disease, uh, and other illnesses. So overall, the impact of ACE is, is far-reaching, long-lasting, and quite devastating. The impacts on the ability of the child to thrive, flourish in many areas of the life, not just in education. And so it's important that we try and come up with the appropriate interventions, support, so we can build the resilience um, to help pupils overcome uh, the negative effects of ACEs. You know, um, with the right support, it can be overcome, um, and pupils can can have a positive life experience despite the fact that they've suffered four or more ACEs. But that support has to be there. That identification has to be there. Uh, I think and. Education staff pay a huge part in that process. So I think it's, it's really important for all education professionals um, to be aware of, of ACEs and the connection between the ACEs and mental health. And, and part of our job is to provide that safe environment for children who may be struggling um, with the effects of, of early childhood trauma. But also it's important that as once we do recognise the signs that, that we're there to help support signpost um, to to the professionals because there's a lot of help and support out there and, and a lot of expertise out there that, that perhaps is, is beyond the realms or the job description of a, of a teaching assistant or teacher uh, and it's important that, that, that we lean on all the available supports and interventions and we, we can't do it ourselves, we can't all do everything so therefore we, we just have to, to signpost and make sure that pupils are are directed to the right, the right level of support. So what are the sources of support um, for pupils who have been impacted by adverse childhood experiences? First of all, there'll be lots of school-based resources and things that we can do as professionals that, that, that can support. Having that calm, consistent, and emotionally reassuring environment um, that can significantly help reduce the impact of, of trauma. Uh, the schools will provide counselling services, peer support groups, it's, it's important that, especially if you're going into an environment as, as a supply member of staff, that, you, that you're aware of what's there and what, what, what counselling services, what support services, what pupil support services there are within school uh, and how to refer to them and, and how to signpost pupils to them. But there's lots of mental health professionals, psychologists, therapists, social workers who can provide a support, counselling at an individual and, and a family level. Um, Trauma-focused therapy, play therapy, art therapy all can be used to support pupils uh, to manage the impact of their adverse childhood experiences. There's child advocacy organisations such as the NSPCC who, who provide lots of resources and support for children who've, who've experienced abuse and, and neglect and they do provide um, good resources for, for staff to use when working with children who've experienced ACEs. Lots of community resources, um, youth organisations, after school programmes can provide help to provide these safe environments, supportive environments for children. Uh, it's very important because of this. Often children who've experienced ACEs get this social thinning where because of the way that they are, the way they interact, they, they lose they lose connections. And it's important that, that we make sure that, that, that we try and provide as, much, as many opportunities for positive interactions as we can and, and youth groups and after school clubs and sports clubs play a, a huge important role on minimising the impact of ACEs. Government agencies, child protection services, social services uh, are there to help support uh, pupils and, and provide resources for pupils who work 
for adults who work with pupils who've got, got ages, as well as their families, because often it's, it can often be an intergenerational, intergenerational thing. Um, and then the support groups for survivors of abuse or trauma who, who provide that safe and supportive environment for children uh, and they enable them to connect with others who had similar experiences uh, and work through a, a process of recovery and, and steps to recovery. So it's important that as, as teachers and, and, and as support staff we're aware of all these things out there because it can be quite daunting and overwhelming when, when having to work with children who've got significant ages because of the impact they can have sometimes on your classroom, um, on the behaviour, on the way they make you feel when, when, when dealing with them. So you know, asking for help is a, is a sign of strength, not, not a sign of weakness. And, and we ask for help and support and, and we get as many people around the child as we can. So how do we safeguard pupils who have been impacted by, by ACEs? Um, being aware of what ACEs are is, is, the, is the starting point. So you know what you're looking for. You know, we're looking for those signs of ACEs. Um, and teachers and, and teaching assistants are, are in the ideal place to recognise those signs because they're with pupils for large parts of the day. We're looking for that inappropriate behaviour, that unpredictable changes in behaviour, in mood, in, in, in health, uh, and that sort of can help you identify those children who may have been Im impacted by the 80s, uh, and, and providing that safe, nurturing classroom environment, that trauma-informed um, environment, and there's lots of resources out there that, 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 that talks now about being a true trauma-informed classrooms and, and trauma-informed schools. Uh, and lots of schools are now being recognised as, as trauma-informed places, um, which helps create this safe and nurturing environment. Uh, we talked about that in, in an earlier podcast about consistent boundaries. You know, one of the things that pupils need of is boundaries. And they need to be consistent and they need to be consistently applied to make sure to create that, uh, that, that safe space uh, and structured routine about providing that positive culture, that, that positive feedback encourage positive behaviours and so that, that ultimately I think once pupils have been identified potentially suffering from ACEs it's important that we signpost to the right level of support we work with other professionals we work collaboratively with other professionals such as social workers mental health professionals child protection services to enable that appropriate level of support and intervention to, to be put in place it's important that we encourage parental involvement where possible parents playing a massive role in supporting their children if they've experienced ACEs. That support and parental involvement means that it doesn't just happen in school. There's lots of times when kids aren't in school where they need to have the right level of support as well. Uh, and sometimes parents are struggling and they don't know what to do, so they need signposting to the appropriate resources, the appropriate help, so that they feel supported. Often many parents will have ACEs themselves and research suggests that the trauma can often be intergenerational. So the children are affected by the trauma and ACEs of their parents and, and the cycle continues. So it, it is important that, that often we deal with it as a whole family and not, not just the individual pupil. And if you've got any concerns about a child's safety or well-being, we have to report them to the appropriate authorities. You know, certainly at the school level reporting that your own safeguarding policies will, will dictate that you have to report any safeguarding concerns you can. Or maybe child, it might be social services or other relevant professionals, but it's important that if you have a concern that, that you do report it and you make sure that it's logged. So as we've seen, the, the, the brain does change after, after childhood trauma and leads to social mental health problems, but the, the positive 
point is that it's not set in stone, that, that children can overcome and adapt to having had adverse childhood experiences. And there's lots of things that adults and professionals can do to help a child grow and adapt after experiencing ACEs. Uh, and that's why it's important that there's this huge multi-agency approach to it because it's not just teachers, it's not just teaching assistants, it's social workers, it's foster parents, it's counsellors. Um, so it's important that, that we do work together to help pupils overcome them. They do say that ACEs are currently the most significant public health predictor of problems over a lifetime uh, and now been acknowledged by the World Health Organisation. There's still a lot to learn. I think they say... 95% um, of what we've learned about the brain we've learned in the last 10 years. There's lots of learning and research going on. Um, so it, uh, as an individual within the system, we just need to be interested in our pupils, curious about the pupils, what are their strengths, what are their weaknesses, what are their likes, what are their dislikes, uh, and, and what are their early relationships and experiences like, and, and do we have to try and provide what support we can or, or signpost them to the appropriate help. Okay, thank you for listening to this episode on adverse childhood experiences. Um, the next one will be on special educational needs. Just to ensure that you've understood the topic that we covered today, your educational consultant will provide you with an online link to a workbook for you to complete. Thank you.